episode number 66. Pull that off. (laughs) All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are we doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I am. I'm hoping you're going to have a lot of wise comments today, Clay. Oh, that's right, because I'm a wise old man now. I'm yeah. officially in the wise old man category now. Well, with great uh, power comes, or great age comes great responsibility. Is that right? All right. I might find me a mountain to retire to now so I can be a, a monk. It's, t- it's time for my monkhood or huh. hermit. Yeah, the monk. retreat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hermit. Yeah. You'll find me a cave and uh, disappear from society and create a big myth so people can try and find me <laughs> to come <laughs> to seek wisdom. <laughs> from the I'll come clay. look for you eventually. Yeah. So I like that idea. All right, what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about something very topical. Even though this isn't necessarily usually a political show, we're going to talk about tolerance today because there's just lots of stuff going on in the world. And yeah, it's been, I've really enjoyed reading all the stuff because, you know, I haven't really thought about tolerance and tolerance of intolerance and all this kind of stuff. No, I've deeply. never really and talked about, thought about the, um, yeah, what I've never gone deep into tolerance, and I think I was reflecting to myself that I was raised, and I don't know if you have the similar experiences, raised to be open-minded and tolerant of other people's beliefs, ideas, um, and their way of life. So I always looked at tolerance. I guess I was, I guess I looked at tolerance having not reflected on it as just being open-minded, but it's it's not. It's actually maybe a little bit more, I was going to say sinister, but I don't know if sinister is the right word in terms of in relationship to tolerance. So I was always of, of the be open-minded, be tolerant of others, and the only place that I actually really drew the line was is if your belief, way of being, opinion harmed another person. Other than that, it was like, well, knock yourself out, live and let live believe what you want to believe. Um, but I think maybe now, having read... That's interesting, because I've, I've, after all my reading, that's where I've kind of come to, but I'll be interested to see what... Oh, you've come to that, to that well, space now. Well, yeah, I've sort all of right. come back to that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I well, don't know. We'll see. We'll see. See what happens in the synergy of the Havana Cafe. So if we were setting this up context-wise, and it's, it's the paradox of tolerance... That's what kind of set us off, wasn't it? So uh, Karl Popper has written this um, quite famous and and quite recently oft-quoted thing about the paradox of tolerance, which is that if you tolerate intolerance without limit, then tolerance itself goes away because the intolerant people will take over and crush all tolerance. Right. So... um, you know, and of course, like everyone at this point is kind of coming back to Nazi Germany and, and thinking about that situation. Yeah, and I think so, I backed into it from listening to a conversation between Ruby Sales and Krista Tippett. And Ruby Sales is a, a big name in the civil rights movement. And she was saying part of the problem today is tolerance and the fact that being tolerant of, 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 say, sort of neo-Nazi or injustice, is to let it 
go on existing without doing anything about it and just it's just there i've learned to just okay it's there it's a it's a thing just let it be just tolerated in other words and my sort of metaphor for that is that you tolerate or analogy you tolerate um a toothache but if you really want to do something about it then you learn proper dental hygiene and learn how to prevent the toothache to begin with so it's, it's for me it's about the understanding so that you don't have to tolerate because we've understood, but haven't done the reading that we've done. And I'm, I'm liking this idea about being intolerant because intolerant, there's action that comes with being intolerant. So tolerant, there's no action. Yeah. You just kind of passively let it be. Well, see, that, that's what I kind of have been thinking a lot about because, like I said, you know, when you only kind of look at these things in a, you know, superficial way, or you just kind of think, oh, yeah, I know what that's about, then uh, you're taking my yellow mic. I was taking your yellow mic because I'm making sure that you're actually mic'd up. You're coming in okay. a bit quiet there. Okay. So, um, basically, that... Now I've lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? <laughs> you want me to rewind the tape? <laughs> I don't know. You were talking about intolerance. Uh Anyway, yeah. Say something else. <laughs> I'll come back to it. This is what happens. <laughs> You're that easily distracted, need, huh? Come some, on. Uh, I need some more coffee, yeah. maybe. So, yeah. So, so this, this idea of being intolerant to me, I'm kinda, I've come to the conclusion that maybe intolerance is better than tolerance because it's the difference between action yeah, you were saying and about passiveness. Action. Yeah. I, th I think that's what diving into this in a bit more depth has meant for me is being a little bit more clear about what tolerance is and what it isn't. And then, which I suppose is the whole thing about this podcast and our conversations as well. Sometimes we have these concepts in our head and we think, oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know what that means, but we haven't actually kind of interrogated it. And then the other thing is, what do you do? What is wise action? Right. You know, because there is a certain kind of wise action intolerance in extreme circumstances where you have to defend kind of tolerance or tolerant society. But then, you know, it re requires a really nuanced thing, doesn't it? You, yeah. have to, you have to kind of understand what you're supposed to do when faced with an intolerant viewpoint because an intolerant response might be, punch him in the face and you know but i thought that was interesting as well on the uh, the one article that we read um let me just see if i go pull it up because he makes a point that you can't be blanket with your intolerant acts so we can't pigeonhole the actions of intolerance as well as in um because there's a there's different degrees of response so you can go rational mm -hmm. so see if you can talk the intolerant person um, around, and this is from uh, Alan Levinowitz's um, article in praise of toler intolerance, and he was saying that you, so you can't blanketly say your, res in your response to intolerance is just rationality, so try and talk them through, because actually it may be that violence may be... Their first response. Maybe a response, so a first response might be to reason, 
Second response might be something else, and then uh, another response might be to actually, you know, violence, actual force, in order to in order to stop the um, the the injustice or the immoral bit. So the focus is not. Uh, so the focus is meant to be on the truth or 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 the goodness, as opposed to being tolerant or intolerant. So we should always be. I think what I was getting from is that we should always be intolerant of the obstruction of the moral good or the truth. But yeah, no, and I, I I can see that. But then the question for me that comes next is, okay, what is that? When you say we should be intolerant of that kind of intolerance, what does that look like in action? You know, not, that's really like a, a really tough question for us right now. You know, when neo-Nazis are meeting in places all over the U.S. and... You know, you, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on that we can point to yeah. that raises this issue. And it's not clear always what the right way of expressing intolerance or resisting that intolerance is. Because it's a tough one because, um, and I've seen some soldiers' responses to like Charlottesville, for instance. Um, and, it, and, and, so from our point of view, you know, we take an oath to defend the Constitution against foreign and domestic enemies. And part of this whole Constitution thing is your right to free speech. So, you know, we defend your right to have a belief and be able to express that. Um, and so I've seen some arguments to say, well, the, the folks, the alt-right demonstration march in Charlottesville is... You know, they have a constitutional right to ex- walk down and express their views. It's their right. Um, and then others would say, well, what, and I guess what you're getting at is, well, what if those views are hateful to another race or creed or well, religion? Well, you know, first of all, I did not know this, but European law and American law is very different hmm. in terms of hate speech. So there's much stricter rules about and laws about hate speech in Europe in terms of if it... Um, so you have a right to free speech up until your speech is inciting violence or active discrimination. So whereas in the U.S. we have that constitutional conflict with free speech. But we can't do, so, you can't do the hate stuff either, though, in the States. But then apparently you have to, like, often it goes to court because right. you have to decide, like, is this the person's right to do this by free speech? Whereas that issue isn't here, you know, when we're talking about European law. So I just yeah. thought that was kind of, diff- you know, interesting that there was kind of a difference in, in attitude towards that. But Because we're quite crazy, cra- crazy with our free speech thing and our right to bear arms, aren't we? So we're quite fanatical and... The protection of that, so I could see where that sort of yeah. comes from, and you can also see the the less tolerance or intolerance of more so here than in the states because they had to they bore the brunt of the whole sort of World War Two and Nazism and yeah. communism and I mean, fascism. To get back to Karl Popper and the um, paradox of intolerance. What I found really interesting is that there's this first bit that's always quoted, that unlimited tolerance must lead to the disappearance of tolerance. That's the paradox. Right. If you're unlimitedly tolerant, 
eventually tolerance is going to go away. And, so, and he says, if we extend unlimited tolerance, even to those who are intolerant, if we are not prepared to defend a tolerant society against the onslaught of intolerance, then the tolerant will be destroyed and, and tolerance with them. But then, so, so that's where often the quote ends. Yeah. But Popper actually goes on to say in that same bit, in this formulation, I do not imply, for instance, that we should always suppress the utterance of intolerant philosophies. As long as we can counter them with rational argument and keep them in check in public opinion, suppression would be unwise. But we should claim the right to suppress them if necessary, even by force. If those, you know, and then I'm stopping quoting there, but if, to summarize, if those beliefs get to the point where they are actually threatening, a, you know, liberal society and free society, then... You, ha- you know, we have to kind of be intolerant. Yeah. So we got to take action. We, uh, we have to take take more. We we have to take more action than simply rational argument and you know speaking out. Yeah. Uh, you know, because there's a kind of intolerance that you can do in a nonviolent way about speaking out and yeah. you know whatever. But yeah. Yeah. No. I, yeah. And it's interesting this because it it is like okay. Well, where's the line then? That's what they. Yeah. That's that's what I found really interesting yeah, yeah. So, to yeah, ask myself. Exactly. So when do you when do you draw the line? And then and how do you know when it's a real threat? Because hmm. you could say, for instance, right now, that although abhorrent, the the number of neo Nazis compared to the number of people who think it's absolutely abhorrent to consider that is just very clear there's like a very small percentage of people who are out there marching and there's a massive you know outcry against it so in that case we might say is public opinion still so secure that those people aren't actually threatening our way of life or do we say these people brought arms to the demonstration Hmm. and they are saying things that are threatening violence against people. So, you, you know what I mean? I just yeah, think so like there's, there's, there's a space where they're inciting violence. Yeah, in and their, in that case, yeah, exactly. And in that case, you'd be intolerant of that. Well, that I mean, action. intolerant in more than just a rational way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, you take, you take force yeah. or you take, you know, you do something yeah. beyond the talking. Yeah. <laughs> we take action, man. Forget all this, this, this Talk. talking business. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I guess, so can I first look at, you know, when I seen the Charlottesville stuff and all the things that were going on there, um, then my first reaction was, it feels like we're going sort of backwards as in, you know, that seems like ancient history stuff. Yeah. There was that like quote going around. It's like, we already fought a war on this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we won. Yeah. We know it's like, it seems like so going backwards and I think, you know, you think that, you know, we would have evolved and um so this is where this this sort of stuff you know um what's the word for it it it, it yeah i have no faith in humanity because <laughs> yeah. it was just you know and it, but it didn't remind me that we are you know basically just animals i know we like to think that we all evolved and um you know wise and stuff but when it only comes down to it we're just still animals um, well, and I, I do really subscribe to the belief that although we can, in our intellectual knowledge, mm. build 
generation on generation. I'm not sure you can really do that with like wisdom stuff, mm. like how to be but kind, cause, how to deal with people. something like, a, and I know that's a big giant question, um, as in what causes a thing like a Charlotte Charlottesville, and and why the alt right, and why the why the extreme views on either side. Yeah. Um, you know, why do I want to build a wall to keep? you know, the Mexicans out type thing. Well, what, what is my mentality that says we need to do this? Is it just because people feel threatened? I mean, that's the argument should get us that our way of life and cultures being threatened. And I guess with the whole wall thing, you know, yes, you know. It's the same argument, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, well, our way of life is threatened. You'll have more Spanish-speaking people than, you know, than English-speaking people in the States by a certain degree. So we got to protect um, that so is it just that is it like protectionism of uh, of what you believe life to be? Um, I mean, it is it is a massive question, and and I suppose there's a lot of layers to that in terms of why is all this stuff happening now, and is it simply that people perceive President Trump to be? To, to, to be able to open up a bit of a space for that to, you know, for, for those views to kind of be expressed? Or is there something but, more say, in, going on? In theory, those, we are always able to express those views. Yeah, exactly. So no one ever took that away. I guess people feel... But people can feel at different times they feel more safe emboldened to, to, to do to come that. Out, mm-hmm. Whereas before, because everybody was wanting to be politically correct and stuff like that and yeah. you get jumped on rather quickly yep. by expressing an alternative view like that um that it was better to you know be silent and maybe just talk amongst yourself but now it seems that there's more of you that you can congregate around and support you I mean you got your you know you've got your you know people high up mm-hmm as well, so so you, you you feel more safe to come out yeah. because your, your supporters are around. You won't feel exposed. Although, as you can see, some of the reactions to um, people who had their photos taken in Charlotteville, like one I saw, the the parents are disowning the son because they think they where did he get these views from? Because we certainly didn't raise him that way, so they've kind of disowned him. Um, and then there was others who were trying to defend defend that they weren't the racists and doing that stuff that they were there for other reasons because I guess you know your employers and stuff will start to see that and then there is a a lack of tolerance for those kind of views in lots of places um yeah Yeah. and so and maybe that's what it's been up until now is that I I don't want to come out well because it's a it's a it's a minority view ish um but I think that's where the argument comes that actually not suppressing these views, like censoring them right. right out the gate, is actually potentially okay. And this is just something I'm kind of thinking about myself, so it's hard for me to know kind of where I stand on this. But, you know, one of the articles that we read was saying about how if you suppress an idea before it gets expressed and get challenged by public opinion it you know has the chance to continue to kind of simmer and stay alive whereas if you allow it to be expressed and public opinion has the chance to kind of engage with it and that suppression of that belief or viewpoint happens naturally through 
public interaction and debate. And that so so actually allowing people to say it and then allowing employers to say, you know, this is all just kind of how this is playing out and who knows. But in that case, there might be an argument to say we don't need to use force yet because public opinion against this kind of attitude is still so strong that people are going to feel the repercussions of that viewpoint in many other ways first. But I suppose there's also a fine line once you start to escalate to the, you know, I know, suppression I, you know, and I oppression just, and you, yeah. you escalate to the violence bit and the counter yeah, bit yeah. is... And that you don't want to leave it until it's sort of too late, you know, to... So let's take a break, but I'm going to drop this on you here because um, this happened and, and it happened to me where I worked at, I guess I shouldn't mention the company that I worked at, um, was two incidences. And, and I guess I'm drawing parallels here about how this, so the one extreme to be intolerant and take action really quick, even though without, without having the dialogue to see what really is going on, but we're going to, you know, we, we ring fence this thing and we're going to, yeah. So the one was um, a friend that got in trouble for uh, tell, say, telling a, a, a lady that she walked like a duck. Um, and then the one that I was personally involved in, um, we were just all in a room, it was mixed company, females, and we were all same level employee um, bantering, doing our thing. Um, and the person went to the big boss and said, basically said sort of sexual harassment stuff. Even though she was the, like, you know that I don't curse around females mostly. I mean, not, it's just the way I was kind of raised. I don't, I don't even, I say females, definitely don't curse around females. I don't know why I don't necessarily, but I don't actually use that kind of language much anyway. And so this lady actually was the ringleader of it all in terms of the conversation that was going. But then she went to the boss and, and said, you know, mm -hmm. sexual harass. And all of the males got in trouble and she got nothing out of that. So we were all on the... So we had to... So basically we had to... Basically the plant manager was like, okay, well, look, it may be BS, but, you know, so this doesn't go any further. Just apologize and move on. And for me, I felt so wronged in that, it was the example of this going totally politically correct for someone to be doing what she did, then go and say otherwise, yeah. and then only us get in trouble for this and made to apologize to her for her leading whatever, you know, that, yeah, that yeah. incident. Um, but all in the sense of there's zero tolerance for this kind of behavior, basically, is, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is the end. But anyway, I'll, I'll leave that and we'll talk about... I want to hear what your thoughts are on that when we come back from the break. <laughs> the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast was created to carve out space for contemplation in the middle of our busy week. Inspired by the very ancient idea that wisdom and principles of conscious living can be found through conversation, Clay and I started meeting over coffee at the Havana Cafe. From these meetings, the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast was born. And as an independent podcast, it is supported by listeners like you. Here's how you can help us support the show and continue taking time to explore the big questions in our lives. First and most importantly, you can share the podcast with friends on Facebook, Instagram, or old school like talking to your friends. 
haha. Leave a review for us on iTunes, or you can support the show for as little as a couple of pounds or dollars a month. That's less than the coffee you are drinking right now while listening to this show by going to havanacafesessions.co.uk and hitting that contribute button. Hope you're enjoying this episode, and thanks again for listening. Okay, so I would say the thing about the duck walking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my reaction to that is, yeah, that's just really unkind. But I'm not sure that has to do with tolerance in a larger sense. But that was considered sexual harassment by telling her she walked like a dog. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things. It's like, that's the whole point is, isn't it? It's like policing these things, knowing what to Mm. do in the face of something you perceive as intolerant is really tricky. It's not clear cut. Mm. So we can throw on words like intolerance of intolerance and stuff. But what what does that actually look like? You know, and, and are all ways of reacting to intolerance okay? For instance... If someone resorts to violence, do they lose the moral high ground, which is something that some people would argue. Like, as soon as you resort to violence, unless you're self-defending, then you're losing the moral high ground. So, you know, you have that instance where, was it Ann Coulter tried to go to Berkeley, and then there were, like, threats on her and such so as she couldn't go. Mm. So, you know, things like that. Do we, you know, do people lose the moral high ground? And, you know, I think with the whole sexual harassment thing and these kind of policies that are meant to encourage tolerance of everybody, Mm. but are enacted in a zero tolerance kind of for any violation, any perceived violation, I should say, you know, then again, it becomes really tricky. But I can almost see like, you know, you talk about the sort of alt-right stuff in Charlottesville and some of the guys in the crowd probably feel... As I think you were kind of going at where well, you feel like you're being suppressed or oppressed or your voice isn't, you're not allowed to have a voice because the people are saying that, you know, you can't express your opinion, that, you know, I feel like, you know, my culture is being liberated. So that, that doesn't automatically make me a, a racist or I anything. Think, I, I yeah, and I think, I think that's right. Yeah. But, you know, and I, I so I had this, um, I don't tend to get political on Facebook hardly at all. Hmm. I had this conversation with people who have very different political views than I do, and are also American. And uh, it was a really interesting conversation, and it was kept very civil. So I know that there are times when that is absolutely not the case, and so I can't really speak to how I'd react in that situation. But what I found really interesting about it was the perception from the other side that they were getting all labeled as Nazis just because they were Trump supporters. And, you know, I think call people what they are, but you can't, you know, as soon as we start lumping mass groups of people into a category, then, you know, do we, are we perpetuating or or perpetrating the same kind of violence? Well, I think so. I think so. Because the one thing that I have an intolerance for is just pure like ignorance as in like I'm happy to have a rational conversation happy to entertain another point of view happy to understand where you're coming from um but then it gets a point where you know if if that well I guess just again it's a perception thing on my part isn't it and that you just you know you're just out of ignorance and then that ignorance spills over into 
harm of another person physically, and I hadn't actually considered the psychological bit, but you know, psychologically yeah. harming yeah. another, then I think that's kind of where I draw the yeah. line. It's like for yeah. me, believe what you want to believe, um, but don't expect me to, and don't try and force me to believe what you believe. Um, and we can still be civil to you. I don't have to believe what you believe. We can still get along. We can still be yeah. friends. We can but hang I out. But I think that's becoming less and less true. And there's a really good article that I'll put up on the show notes about how liberal, politically liberal people like to think that they are much more tolerant because they are associated with And can with I just say for the record of, that I'm not a liberal? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, but but this this, arg- this article was about... I'm not conservative who's, either. Who's, you know more and and it's true liberals often claim that kind of we are more tolerant because they're on the kind of (laughs) side of you know the gay issue the you know immigration issue that all these different things open and inclusive of everyone supposedly supposedly yes except Except, if you don't believe what they believe except if you don't believe what they believe and i find you know actually you know to go back to the question you had before the break i think Part of the problem is is people's intolerance of existing in gray areas. People, but how about and that was no gray area because everybody in the room knew what happened. Oh yeah, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. But so the boss didn't want to have anything else yeah, to yeah. do it or no, go no, no, any no. further. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't really it talking was, about that. I was yeah, talking okay. about why. <laughs> he was no, like, no. just do this. I don't care. What I just yeah, do yeah. this. No, I I meant the question that was maybe it was the question before that about why is Charlottesville happening now and why yeah, okay. why are people kind of pitting against each other now and why is there all this division between you know what it seems to be that people are getting further and further away from each other and you know I I, I do think that uh, is it that we feel powerless if people feel more powerless it just can't be a good thing and I think that well because like, I jokingly said that there is no left and right anymore there's only rich people and poor people yeah. Is it creating the condition now because this economic divide and I'm feeling disenfranchised, powerless, and people are looking I'm for you know, and together. I it's really, I think my takeaway, one of my big takeaways from all of this reading, and not that it's a new discovery, but I think I'm just more, I understand more about it is you the the need right now. In, our, in this world, to persevere with being able to tolerate when someone else, and I'm not talking about neo-Nazis, but yeah. I am talking about your uncle at the dinner table that is a Republican when you're a Democrat or vice versa. There seems to be such a shrinking amount of tolerance for just sitting in a place where you can listen to someone's views that you think are really wrong and not completely freak out and demonize that other person. You have to believe like I believe then. Well, exactly. Which is that all of it doesn't make any sense anyway, so what's the difference? Well, you know, I think that there's just a polarization. And, you know, the, I, I was looking at this, um, you know, and what's interesting is that if you look at all the articles about tolerance, hmm. up until really recently, they've all been about religious tolerance and intolerance. Or yeah. that, that, that was the main lens in which we were talking about intolerance. Now it's all about politics and what this person believes, left versus right and whatever. So, But I, it kind of made me wonder, are those 
do those lenses make any difference? And if we were to pull ourselves away from the immediacy of this particular problem that is right in our face that we feel is so urgent and take a longer, more kind of bird's eye view of things, would we be able to come up with different strategies or different methods of action? Do you know what I mean? Because we're not so lost in the woods, you know? Is it just human nature, though? Well, we gravitate to peop- towards people that are like us, and we're more distant from people that are not okay. like us. And that's okay. That's absolutely fine. But you know, there comes a point when, and you know, Mar- uh, Malcolm Gladwell, who wrote Blink, and um, mm. what else he write? He wrote a bunch of stuff. He's yeah. great. Blink anyway, great. he had a. There was a great article by uh, about an interview with him where he said, and I'll I'll quote him because. Uh, you know, I won't be able to do as good a job. (laughs) He says, what we call tolerance is when people who are unlike us want to be like us and we decide to accept them. So he gives the example of gay marriage and he says, when people who are gay decide they, who are unlike us, because they're not heterosexual, want to do what we do, get married, then we pat ourselves in the back and say, ooh, aren't we so tolerant? But that's not tolerance at all. What he says is what is real tolerance and what is really difficult is accepting people who are not like you and don't want to be. Yeah. And I thought that was a really... That's interesting. Because then we're talking about what is tolerance? Tolerance then is not like, you know, I was laughing before we started recording about the this poem I came across where two girls, one liked tea and one liked coffee and they didn't get along or something. It made me laugh. And it's like, if you don't like someone because they don't like what you drink or something, then I don't know where I'm going with this, but you know, it's like we're blinded by the kind of similarities that exist there. And it's not, and it, and we need to kind of have that perspective as well as the perspective of allowing there to be different. Do you know, for me, what would be tolerance in the situation that you just outlined with the Malcolm Gladwell and gay marriages is if there was no title called gay marriages. It's yeah. Like, what do we care? What, totally. You know what I mean? So that there was no category totally, but of it, classification. But of, I completely of that. agree. But I think what he, what his point is, is like, that's not tolerance. Tolerance is not when someone wants to do what you already think is good. Tolerance is when someone wants to do something that you think is not right, but as you know, like you say that where I'm drawing the line here now is you don't impinge on other people's right to live their life, you know. Which yeah. of course, and you know, you could, get to extremist groups like neo Nazis, and, and then if you're we in liberated trouble. the, if we got rid of the the label, then there wouldn't be a problem. It's a label that causes a problem. And you think about the left and right in the states at the moment, and you could talk about that in terms of the Brexit issue in Britain mm. with the kind of remainers and leavers and whatever. And you think automatically you've got labels, like you said, you've got people pigeonholed. And, you know, so I was looking at this political spread of like, if you're Republican, you are more kind of committed to individual freedom. And if you are Democrat, then you're more committed to social justice. It's like, why are we not, but why are we not able to see that although there are differences in policy, and you might really disagree with some differences in policy, everybody to some extent believes in individual freedom, like 
and also social justice. They just conceive of these things differently. So demonizing someone and saying, do you know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't help anything. Hmm. And I suppose it's this thing for me that it's like, um, well, why do we have feel the need to have a conservative? Why do we feel the need to have the label? So is this just about, I think this is the way that people should live. And yeah. then I can convince enough people that this is the right way to live. We should all be liberals because of X. Yeah. Or we should all be conservative because of X. And then we end up creating a divide and... You know, you, I'm trying to convince you onto my side, or you know. So we just we just make these artificial labels, titles, and get onto one side or the other, and then you're in this battle of which well, is which. One of the things I want to think about a little bit more is when I was having this conversation in this um, on Facebook with. So I was in. I was probably the lone, like leftist in a group of of Republican Trump voters. And everybody, like I said, was very civil and speaking very clearly and intelligently about what they believed. And I felt like that was one of the most important things that we can do nowadays is be able to engage with people who don't believe the way we believe without resorting to name calling and acting like children. And it seems a really rare thing to be able to do on both sides right now. I'm 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 thinking of Morpheus now. What's in that? Matrix number two, I think it was, or three. I can't remember. Probably two. Is my and we said I don't. Not everybody believes what you believe. My beliefs do not require you to. Yeah. <laughs> is that is it's that kind of thing? It's like I don't, you know you can you. Yeah. Why can't yeah. we disagree about how to implement policy that's that's for the best without like demonizing that's the thing. people? I mean, that's where it comes from, though, isn't it? It's like. We want to implement policy that's for the best of the people, but because we have different opinions on that, then that's where the but we throw out comes. every idea and understanding we have that we're all human beings and we're all so you know then. But then that's um, the whole point, though, for me, is that we're all human beings and yeah. we basically kind of revert back to that sort of animal instinct of. That's of true, but as you know, I was listening to several talks by the Dalai Lama, mm. and as he would say. We also, as human beings, have the capacity to rise above that. You know, so while many of us are still and and kind of coming in and out of thinking things through and actually just <laughs> acting on instinct and impulse and emotion. But is that not just suppressing your natural instinct then? Yes, we have the ability it, to, but how long can you sustain that for and how does it show well, itself through the cracks? Yeah, I mean, but, you know, you can say it like that as if you're suppressing something or you can imagine that you are no longer enslaved by those and that you're kind of rising above and seeing a kind of bigger picture rather than this is the immediate thing that I want right now. Like my six-year-old's like, I want to play Minecraft right now. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we have the capacity to kind of see longer term, to see implications of things. So and you're uh, striding into another t t a topic here for me. Cause well, so for me, as we beat that out of our kids, not beat them literally, <laughs> but we have to socialize them into... You know, so they can get along in society. But then what do they lose as a human being? Because we just socialize them into believing what you just said. There. <laughs> because I got to get along and I get that. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, We've yeah, got to yeah. kind of get along. But, you know, it's rootness 
um, yeah, okay, we can rise above it because we have this capacity to rationalize, but can I, we? Does it show itself in other ways? Yeah. Maybe it shows itself in these political conversations that we have, and maybe it shows itself in, you know, seemingly... So if you look at what's the, st what's the underlying context that's going on, um, are these things that we are suppressing, in quotation marks, is this just a manifestation of those things? This is how they manifest themselves in a civilized society? Yeah, I mean, and, and certainly, like, thinking about tolerance, you need to have civilized society for tolerance, don't you, to exist. I'm an anarchist, as I, I said. I mean, that's I what I want. That's why I want the zombie apocalypse. I know. <laughs> um, you I don't know, want I think, to be thrusted back into anarchy. I think that for me, one of the other things I'm taking away from the reading and, mm. and listening is where, like, the the both the difficulty in finding wise action in the face of intolerance, and base and and the difficulty we have thinking clearly so you know and I, I really experienced that in the Facebook group because you know as soon as people start kind of saying things that sounded really like wrong to me right. got really worked up I could feel it in my in myself and it's the same thing that happens you know when people are expressing really what what you have decided in your head are really um, wrong views and again I'm not necessarily talking about extremists like you know religious yeah. you know terrorists and neo-nazis and people that are trying to do harm but this happens all the time just in in a difference just of political stuff, opinions yeah. and um you know i think what i took away from listening to the dalai lama is actually tolerance has to be the primary commitment and 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 like all these other people everyone's basically kind of saying of course you have to defend a tolerant society and of course you have to resort to self-defense if it comes to that but you sh that shouldn't be your first act out the gate and if you know you s try to start from the perspective of this is another human being and and stop yourself or even just notice your tendency if that's what happens in a you know because yeah. everyone has their own issue too don't they that as soon as you start talking about this issue it's like a emotional fire in your in your head or whatever then you know if you start to feel yourself kind of labeling that other person then you know you have to really step back from that and I, I think that's what's kind of happening right now with the lack of tolerance is the polarization and just your it, we everything has to be black and white. You're either with me or you're against me. Yeah. And I think I just think tolerance is that place where the grays are. And it. So why we, can't we all just get along? Well, as somebody said in the yeah. past somewhere. In and there. you know the Dalai Lama basically says, which is very true, is that you know we are how many billion people on this earth? People are fundamentally all human beings. And we all, none of us get up at the beginning of the day, no matter what your political view or your religious view, and say, I want to have more problems today. I want things to be more difficult. You know, everybody's trying to kind of... Everybody's maybe, but a, maybe some of the things that cause it, though, we're not, not, 
wake up that way. <clears throat> but maybe some of the angst comes from the fact that you're feeling less empowered, less. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, and, and in we're, control we're of in, your destiny. We're in two situations here with the tolerance issue. We're in a situation with a tolerance of viewpoints that we don't agree with and sometimes strongly don't agree with. And then we're in a different perspective with neo-Nazis and terrorists and people that are actually trying to do people harm and, you know, yeah, there has and, to be a point, uh, you know, be a point. where you say, no, this is, we can't tolerate this. Yeah. And, uh, and, and maybe we won't be able to get into it here because uh, I'm just thinking we're, we are talking from one viewpoint if you were to flip, so for instance, take the American Revolution, for instance. Were our founding fathers terrorists? Were they revolutionaries? And what gave them the right to I take up arms against their government? So they created terrorist acts, Boston Tea Party. But then somehow we find that's okay. If we think well, about what we've done to the Native Americans in terms of taking their land... How are we able to just glide over the fact that the very things that we're fighting against but I think are the we... very things that we used? And to some extent, and I'm not just thinking ancient history, we, you know, people only have a view of what they perhaps read in the papers and maybe some surface level things. But, you know, we've, we've done some pretty, which I guess you might call crooked stuff, but all in the name of you know, security or national security. And we do some things that a lot of people don't really realize and or In see. other words, a very intolerant acts no, in order to establish a tolerant, intolerant society. Is it's, that what you're saying? No, no. We do things that say, okay, if I look at this situation and how it might play itself out 20 years from now, so we're playing a big game of chess here, I need to do something about this now before it becomes a problem in yeah. 10 years. So, yeah, yeah that's you true. Know, we consume... 10 times more oil than the rest of the world combined. Iraq has the fourth largest oil wells in the world. Hmm. Do I create some condition that creates a reason in today's society for me to be able to invade this country so that I'm in a more strategic position later on? Yeah. But, of course, I can't, you know, we're not in the age of imperialism and the like where you can just, all right, well, let's all get on our horses and storm across the border and just take stuff because it was, it was, that Lots was okay thing, back I think, in the day. That's the thing, I think, is, though, that, that we're all, at the moment, a lot of people are just feeling very reactive. Hmm. And it's all kind of, no, but, like, it's really hard in the face of really emotive issues to take a bit of a longer perspective to actually when you're in a conversation with somebody to actually say, is this actually threatening? Is yeah. this actually threatening someone else or me? Is actually or is this just a difference? And does it actually ultimately, does it really matter if we want to take this to the existential? Sort and, of people, and people would say it does really matter. And, you know, it certainly all only. kinds of policies really matter to people's lives. But, you know... Yeah, there's no easy answer, is there? No, 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 there never is. You know. I think that's why we have conversations like we have today. Um, and I suppose if we could get everybody, so in an ideal world, we can get everybody to do a podcast like this one so we can have differing opinions and discuss it. Well, I tell you, it's it was a, a very interesting and perspective for Facebook, me. Exactly. And I think that's kind of one of the things that if there's something that we 
little people can do <laughs> it's actually just talk to each other because the best thing you can do is show people on the other side of whatever other binary you're in that their stereotypes about the other aren't completely true yeah and, and we, you start to break down those things and just if we latch do onto things something that are unexpected common, like listen yeah listen and and just maybe the sort of dalai lama thing and just say all right well our connectivity our our connection is that we're all human so everything else is just you know variations on that but at the core we're all human so if we make that the basis of our relationship then we shouldn't have any problems mm. and but i think we forget that indeed yeah okay i think that's um that's a wrap that's a wrap is it yeah. i want some more of this banana it's a banana cake or just pound cake pound, pound cake, cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah with a pound of butter and a pound of Cream sugar and, and stuff yeah. and spice and but all what does things it matter? nice <laughs> <laughs> exactly see you week, next week everybody this episode of the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast is brought to you by people just like you wonderful listeners so thank you very much if you have a spare second and you would want to click over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review or just some stars that really helps us out a lot and helps other people find us who might enjoy the show. And if you would like to contribute to the show, then you can contribute as little as a pound an episode or less than a coffee an episode. Um, if you head over to HavanaCafeSessions.co.uk and click on the contribute button, you'll find all kinds of different ways that you can help us out. Thank you so much if you have already contributed in some way or if you're thinking about contributing and Really, even just telling other people who you think might enjoy the podcast or um, joining in the conversation is very, very helpful. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sarah Hunt, and on behalf of Clay Lowe, goodbye, and we'll see you next week.